If you're able to stand for the reading of God's infallible and inerrant word, we're going to go to the longest psalm in the Bible, and it's Psalm 119, and we're going to read from the second section of that psalm. They're divided by characters of the Hebrew alphabet. This is the section from Beth. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the ways of your testimonies. That's his witness to us. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statues. I will not forget your word. Thank you, Lord. Be seated. Elizabeth and I have been watching a Korean drama on television. Now, I don't speak Korean, but thank goodness for modern technology, it's got subscripts. But it is the story of a troubled and family with lots of, of stuff that has been decisions that have been made that were made in the moment for temporary comfort, but has in the process, you know, good decisions and bad decisions have their effect. You know that. Too many times I've said to my redneck buddies, hey, y'all watch this. It was a bad decision. <laughs> But this family uh, portrays the, the effects of bad decision-making. And with the exception of one little boy who's, uh, who's uh, evidently got some uh, mental and intellectual challenges, though at times I think he's the wisest person. In the with, with the exception of him, uh, he's the only one that has a relationship with Jesus Christ. We all make decisions, don't we? Good ones and bad ones. When I was about 12 years old, we, I, I grew up on the side of the Mowbray Mountain down in Tennessee. It's a steep mountain. You go up and there are lots of zigzags going up the highway. Sometimes you don't have to, all, it wasn't really a highway, but you'd have to almost stop. And, and we boys in the summer used to push our bicycles to the top of that mountain. And then we would get on them and ride them down that mountain as fast as we could, lean those things over into those curves. And I mean, we were moving on. 
One day I was with them and I was really pouring on the coal, as we say. You may not be familiar with that term, but but um, got to the bottom of the mountain and the road flattens out and we'd always hit our brakes because the old mountain road there, it teed right into US 27, which was then the main highway between uh, uh, Pensacola, Florida and Cincinnati. A lot of traffic, no interstates in those days. Way back for your time, Ray. No interstates in those days. And as I got to the bottom, I'll never forget hitting the brakes on that bicycle, you know, the old derailleur kind. If you hit, sit down. Some of you ride those kind of bikes, anybody? And, you know, uh, everything on that bike's dependent upon the chain. Moving it and stopping it. And I, I'll never forget, I hit that chain and snap. It snapped off. There I am flying, coming onto the intersection no brakes, and I zoom across that highway. And I remember a man, he had a, he had a Cincinnati City plate on the front of his car. Then in one of those old Plymouths, the four doors, those real ugly ones that made in the 50s. And, and I go flying over the road, and he sli- I remember seeing him sliding in the highway to miss me. And I went, thank goodness there was a creek there at the bottom of the mountain. And I zoomed off into that creek, and the front wheel of my bicycle hit a big boulder, which threw me into the deep part of the water. And I came swimming out, scared to death, only to be cussed out by a man from Cincinnati. (laughs) That was a bad decision. The kids didn't realize that speed has consequences. We all make decisions. But the question I ask today is, how do we make wise decisions? You know, some of you young people are graduating from college and from high school, and you're, you're going to be faced immediately with some decisions that do have some significance. And I know that a number of you adults out there are also facing decisions in terms maybe of, of, of your career or maybe in terms of some health decisions you're having to make and all of those things, and, 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 and we have to deal with those. We face decisions every day, some minor and some major. Now, at my house, I make all the major decisions. And Elizabeth makes the minor decisions. I decide what U.S. foreign policy ought to be. I decide what economic program the United States needs to put in place and she decides little things like how we're going to spend our money and and what we're having for supper. (laughs) But we all make decisions, don't we? And we seem to have to continue to make decisions through the rest of our life. David had the same issues. I love to read about old King David. Going to be glad to see him in heaven. David pondered the same question. He is the king. And almost all of his decisions had major impact, not only upon himself, but upon the nation. And the path that he had to take was full of many pitfalls, many dangers, toils, and snares.
he had not always made wise decisions. We're going to reflect on that just for a moment in a little bit. But I, I sort of feel like that this psalm, as the 23rd psalm, is written during the final days of David's life as he reflects back over life, you know. And one thing, if you live a long time and if you reflect on the past adequately and take it seriously, you learn some things about life. And David reflecting back over his life asked the question, how does a young person, and I think that applies to everybody though, but, but I think he's thinking back to when he was young, make the right decisions. And this is what he says. How can a young man cleanse his ways, make his way right? You know, uh, how can a, a young man make his way right? By taking heed according to your word. With whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I, I have, listen to this, your, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Dear friends, that's as good advice as you'll get for your life. To take the word of God and all that it teaches and hide it. Put it in your heart. David had lived long enough to know why he made wrong choices. Choices that brought sorrow and despair into his life. You know, I've studied the world religions, taught it in college, and, uh, you know, there, uh, one, one thing about Christianity and, and, and the Bible that strikes me is that uh, we see in the great figures of the Bible not people that were perfect. You don't find that in the Bacharita when they talk about their great leaders. They never did anything wrong. That's the Hindu holy book, incidentally. And the same pretty much with the writings about Buddha. But the Bible's different, isn't it? From the great prophet uh, Elisha, who God had to correct, we see people that make mistakes, don't we? David knew that about himself. He'd made a number of mistakes. But one of the mistakes that comes to mind is when his most faithful servant, General David's eyes fell upon his wife lustfully and he set in place and in motion the things that might bring about his friend's death that he might have that man's wife. That violates a lot of places in the world. Uh, you know, we're not to covet the Old Testament. Says he coveted Bathsheba. We're not to follow lust. We are not to take that which is not our own. That's stealing. 
That's the case that the great prophet Nathan laid before David when he said there was a, a man who, a king who had everything that he wanted and a man had this one little sheep that he loved dearly. Remember that story? And, and the king with all of his power took that man's sheep from him and slaughtered it for his own use. David from the throne was outraged. He says, this is terrible. Who is that man? And, you know, Nathan had kahunas. We need more preachers like that today. Nathan pointed his finger right into the king's nose, and he said, you are the man. And David knew instantly. You see, he thought it was all secret about Bathsheba. He knew instantly that that was the situation. But why did David go wrong in that? Well, David went wrong in, the, in the, that decision because he failed to do what in his old age he, know, he knew that he should have done, to make his decisions according to the teachings of the Word of God. He knew that the failure to ground decision-making in the Word of God leads to sorrow. But decisions grounded in the Word lead to joy. And you know that in your own life's experience, don't you? You know that when you face decisions, some of them quite serious, You may have been tempted to step out of integrity. You may have been tempted to step into dishonesty. You may have been tempted to to do certain things to get what you want. And then you remembered what the word of the Lord has to say. I've told you about my friend Fred who was rising to the top of, of perhaps at that time the largest telecommunication system in America and he was asked by his boss and he'd have been the boss after this guy retired he was in line for it he was asked by his boss I want you to set in place this program to deal with our competitors and, and he said that while he called me on the phone he says while there's nothing uh, illegal about the process they want me to use against my competitors. It is unfair. I believe it's wrong, and, and I need your advice on what to do. I said, you already know what to do. That's why you're calling me. And he did what was right. And it cost him. You don't cross powerful people if they're not believers. But you know, I talked to him sometime later. It's the best decision I ever made in life. Oh, I don't live in the wealth that I could have lived in. I have what I need. Pastor, I have joy in my heart because I know that I did the right thing. I think about a college professor I had person very influential on my life. A 
tremendous pressure was put on him to pass this little all-American football player whom he told me had, I was his graduate assistant at that time. I graded all the papers. I knew that boy hadn't done any work anyway. He was an idiot. He came up to me. I shouldn't say it about God's children. He was challenged. He came up to me one time as I was walking across campus, and he said, I hear you know a lot about philosophy. And I said, well, I, I know something about it. He says, I've got to turn in a paper, uh, and, and I'll, I'll give you $100 to write that paper for me. Well, back in those days, 100 bucks a lot of money. And I said to him, well, I can write it for you, and I can guarantee that you'll get an A. He said, you can, how? I said, because the same man that wrote it will be the same man grading it. You better know what's in that paper. I got his paper in question. He didn't know a thing. So I reported to the professor, and the professor gave him an F, which meant he couldn't play football the next term. And, uh, and, and every powerful figure in that university called him to try to get him to change the grades. And I remember being in his office when the president of school called him. And he says, let me tell you something, sir. He said, that young man made an F. He said, and did not try. I have young people in this class that made an F and did try. So I'll be doing all of them a disservice if I passed him. He has an F and it will stand. Had he not done that, there's no doubt in my mind when a couple of years later the chairman of the Department of Philosophy retired and that he would have been that chairman, but he was not. But he always told me, I know I did the right thing. Decision-making has to be grounded in what God's Word teaches us. Jesus said... He's praying for the church. He's praying in, in John 17, a powerful section of Scripture. Sanctify them through the truth. Now, what sanctification means, is it has a bad term in society. Sometimes it means uh, if you wear lipstick and fix your hair up, you're not sanctified. I've been around people that's thought that. And, and, uh, and all kinds of things, you know. But what the Bible means by sanctification to be sanctified is to be in a right relationship with God. That's what it means. And it says, sanctify them with the truth. Put them in the right relationship. Put them in the right place. God wants to put you and I in the right place with the truth. Now, you remember that uh, cynic uh, pilot said, what is the truth? Jesus didn't answer. Pilate wasn't interested in the truth. But Jesus tells us in this very passage of Scripture, Thy word is truth. Thou hast sent me into the world, and even so I also send them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified through the truth. Wise decision-making, wise life choices are always choices that are made in accordance with God's Word. I 
I've known that from both sides. I know the problems of failure in my own life to make wise decisions because they were not grounded in the word of God. I was pastor of a church in Mililani, Hawaii. It's the only church I've ever been a part of that could come anywhere close to comparing to this one. But that church was like a New Testament church. And it seemed that God was really blessing my ministry in a way, you know, uh, I have a long, you know what the greatest longing in my heart is? Anybody, can anybody guess? The greatest longing in my heart is to see men and women and boys and girls that do not know Jesus as the Savior to come to him and be saved. That is the greatest longing in my heart. And while I was there, I think maybe because I had taught world religions, I I think I'm familiar with the, both the good things about other religions and the bad things about them. But as you know, Hawaii is predominantly a Buddhist state. That's the largest religion there. And, and, uh, and God seemed to have given me a gift to reach Buddhists for Jesus Christ. One Sunday in front of Waikiki, the hotels there. We had a church service, a Sunday service, to baptize 19 converts on one day. 19 converts from Buddhism. And yet, I began to ponder leaving that church. You know, I've often told you all that the most dangerous idols of all are the most noble ones. Can you remember that? The most dangerous idols of all are the most noble ones. Those are, that are things that are in their place and in their order exceedingly good. To love and care for your family is a good thing, is it not? Concern for them uh, is a good thing. But do you know that can be an idol? Do you know that? See, we're not talking about something crass like pornography or, or alcohol excesses. No, we're talking about something good, aren't we? I loved my old mother and I worried about her and Kay was worried about her parents and we get to these letters from home that how bad things were going for them and all that turned out later not to be true you know uh, they wanted us home and so I came to the decision that because of these concerns it was best that I go back to the mainland knew the moment I stepped on the plane in Honolulu to fly back 
not stepped out of God's love, but I'd stepped out of his will. And I suffered because of that. And sadly, the church over there suffered because they went through some real troubles. And there's a verse of scripture that cuts my heart out every time I read it. Any man, in the Gospel of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount, if you want to look it up, any man that loveth father, mother, brother, sister, etc., more than me, is not worthy of me. I am convicted of that sin. And why did I make the wrong decision? I did not in depth consult the word of God before I made that decision. And I paid a price. My family paid a price. The church there paid a price. Has God forgiven me? Yes. But he also made me smart about that kind of thing. That's why I always warn you, the most dangerous idols are the most noble ones. So even decisions that can appear noble can be idolatrous. How can we govern our ways? Never make decisions without consulting the Word of God. I promise you, if I had gone to the text and read that text about loving God more than even our families, I would have made a different decision. Might not have ever ended up here, who knows, but you know, the, the, uh, but, uh, but, but nonetheless, nonetheless, we must always Make major decisions consulting the Word of God. You young people that are going out to make decisions about your life and what you're going to do, you ground that decision in what God's Word directs you to do. You adults in dealing with your children or dealing with the husband, dealing with the wife, whatever decision you're making, make sure. And I'm not... Preaching as a fellow that's done it right. I'm preaching as a fellow that's learned the lesson the hard way, that's done it wrong. Never make decisions without consulting the Word of God and be guided in your decisions by that Word. Don't trust your feelings. Don't trust anything above what God's Word teaches. Don't trust your own heart. You know, my heart was right maybe in a sense of having a legitimate concern, but it was wrong before God. There's a truth in Scripture. Remember this, Jeremiah 17, 8. He talks about our feelings. He says, the human heart is deceitful above all things. Our own hearts can deceive us. And so we come back to that question, how shall we choose and cleanse and make right our way. We know, and I testify to you this morning, please hear me. Please hear me. 
wise decisions will always be based upon the Word of God and not contradicted. You know, when you're young, your heart has desires. Sometimes it leads you to the wrong place. I'm going to be blunt. Your hearts may lead you away. The world believes that sex outside marriage between a man and a woman is fine. The word of God says that it is not. Young men and young women, save yourself for marriage. Choosing otherwise will bring troubles. Why do I know that? Because the word of God tells you that. Adults and how you raise up your children. Make sure you do that in accordance with the Word of God. I know, you know, kids can be a pain in the neck, can't they? Persistent. My son Jim, he used to aggravate me and he wouldn't drop an issue. And when I told him no, I had to tell him no 50 times. And I finally had to take him into the bedroom and put a strong exclamation point on that no. (laughs) But better that he be led in the right path than for my own convenience to avoid unpleasantry. Say, go ahead and do it. Be guided by the word of God in all of your decisions. And I'm going to close now with four points. going to be very brief. Ask God for his word about whatever decision you are making. That's for everybody. It's for everybody. Number two, pray to God to show you what you are to do. Sometimes you have to wait on God's answer, you know, but pray so that he'll show you what to do in accordance with the truth he is. Make certain you seek God's own will and not seeking him to cover a decision that you want to make. You can do that, you know. And finally, once the choice before the word of God, before the Lord comes, then follow his path. Thy word, the Bible says, is a lamp unto my path. Think about what that means. In a dark, remote, desert wilderness how important the light is without the light you are lost without the light you misstep without the light you go thy word is a lamp unto my feet how do we make wise choices by being in the word and obeying the word those who are in the word and in the way of the word will not be put to shame. Amen.